Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Who are those guys? I'm Galen. And I'm Doug. And we're those movie guys. Bringing movie reviews and previews to the masses since 2007. Today is Monday, September 24th, 2007. Today on the show we have reviews of Eastern Promises starring Viggo Mortensen and the independent film LOL just released on DVD. Plus we're going to count down our top five most uncomfortable movie moments. But first we're going to take a look at the movie release of Eastern Promises. Well, one of our biggest pre-those-movie-guys fight was over a history of violence. Galen thought that this film was a brilliant study of the dual nature of brutality and civility and man, whereas I thought it was more of a slow-paced juxtaposition of unconnected stories. So, when we decided to view Eastern Promises, also directed by David Cronenberg and starring Viggo Mortensen, we were eagerly anticipating another Terabithia-style battle royale. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen because the film wasn't showing in my area. So we are left with Galen's one-sided argument. Eastern Promises is the story of a driver for the Russian Mafia, played by Mortensen, who, while trying to climb the ranks of the organization, gets torn by loyalties between the crime family and an innocent midwife, played by exquisite Naomi Watts who has uncovered some of the family's dark secrets. So I'm going to ask you straight out, Galen. Did you like this film better or worse than A History of Violence? And do you think that people who aren't retarded might actually like this one, too? Nice. Well, I, I'm going to say that I did like this less than History of Violence. Um, you like this less? Less, yes. See... Going off previews, yeah. I was more interested in this than I think I was a history of violence. Although well, I was interested to see history of violence. Yeah, well this one, it, this is a tough one for me. I, because what is in the movie, I think is brilliant. But I think the biggest issue I have is it feels like a good 30 minutes of the movie is missing. Because there are so many things that just don't get... Re Not that they don't get resolved, but they don't get fleshed out, even. And particularly, I'm talking about the character of Nikolai, played by Viggo Mortensen. And Mortensen gives a fantastic performance. I mean, he completely disappears into this role. There's not a second you don't buy him as this, this criminal. But, and, and part of the problem that arises is that you never really get into his character and I, I mean I'm I, I believe I can't recall what movie it was we were talking about where the director just trusted the actor Sunshine Sunshine by uh, uh, Danny Boyle where he just trusted his actors to convey their character and you didn't get any backstory for anybody and you didn't need it in that film in this film, I think that 
you needed something more. Maybe not even backstory, but a few more scenes with Nikolai that might have been written in order to convey his character a little more clearly. I, I mean, particularly there's a twist at the end that just... It, it, it completely changes your perspective on him. And it, it doesn't make any sense why... I mean, we were told not to avoid spoilers, so I'll just say that you find out in the last 20 minutes of the film that he's actually an undercover cop. And it, it, it sprung on you in a way that it makes absolutely no sense. So why... I, there is no reason for him to be a cop in this film. None at all. It doesn't help the theme or anything. And it just makes you... Because you, you thought you were beginning to understand this character of Nikolai. And then you find out he's an undercover cop and you realize you didn't know him at all. And then the movie ends. And it kind of leaves you hanging. So, I mean, that that's the problem with that. Uh, I will say, I'll talk about some other things that I loved. I mean, it is Cronenberg, so he has... Uh, he is probably the best director at capturing brutality that we have. And, I mean, there are movies where, that use violence just gratuitously, but in Cronenberg, the, it, it sh it's horrible, shocking violence, but it's not there just for the sake of shock. You can't say it's gratuitous, because everything that happens in his film is necessary. It contributes to the overall theme of the film. And that's certainly the case in Eastern Promises. I, I mean, there's one fight scene that is just shockingly brutal and violent. And it's, it's one of the best fight scenes you're ever likely to see. But it is very disturbing. And one of the <laughs> this is another Cronenberg thing. He, and one of the reasons our top five list is the uncomfortable movie moments. Cronenberg, in all of his films, has one moment, at least, where you feel very uncomfortable watching the movie. At least all the ones I have seen. And this one is this fight scene, because Viggo Mortensen is completely naked during the fight scene. And you get to see his junk flopping around as he's fighting these people. And uh, it, it's... I mean, I think it actually works in the scene because it, it kind of, it does make him appear more vulnerable and also more um, primal. But at the same time, you do feel uncomfortable, but that's what Cronenberg's good at. And he, I think he likes people squirming in their seats. So, you know, I enjoyed that. I also thought that he had an excellent sense of um, creating the, the mise-en-scene in the film. I, I loved the, the uh, crime lord, Semyon, the head of this Russian mob family. His, he owns this upscale Russian restaurant, and it's completely done up in reds, the tablecloths, the candles, you know, everything's red. So it's you get this sense of violence even in this setting of 
of apparent civility and and genteel manners. And to me, that was what the character of Semyon, played by Armin Mueller-Stahl, conveyed, was this brutal um, barbarity that was just covered by a thin veil of civility. And there's one scene in particular that is just fantastic between he and Naomi Watts, where he uh, is trying to elicit information from her and she because she has this diary that that has information about crimes that he has committed and he keeps trying to get her to tell him where she lives and things like that and he's being very polite and civil and acting like he's her friend and he just wants to help her out he's just a kindly old man but he has this air of menace behind him that you are seriously creeped out by him, as is Naomi Watts' character. And it's it's really a fantastic performance by uh, Mueller-Stahl. So I enjoyed that as well. I think also the son of Semyon, Kirill, who's played by Vincent Kessel, is fantastic. He There's a lot of, there's almost a homoerotic relationship between he and Nikolai, and um, at least one way. I mean, Kirill is clearly in love with Nikolai. It, it's left open to bit debate how Nikolai feels about him, whether he's just using him or if he actually feels some sort of kinship with him as well. But uh, it's, it's really, I mean, because on one hand, Kirill will be this brutal sort of uh, monster, really, in what he does. And then in the next moment... You know, he seems remarkably vulnerable and weak, and it, you kind of see how he's just been brutalized by his father all of his life. Um, but one thing is that was disappointing as well is Naomi Watts' performance is was surprisingly underwhelming. And I mean, you've seen Naomi Watts in like several performances, I'm sure, correct? Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, she always turns in a fantastic performance. This, I, I don't think it's necessarily her fault. I think her character isn't written that well. And, you know, it, I think a, a big problem is she plays Anna, the midwife, and I don't know if the character is even necessary. She's more of a MacGuffin than an actual character uh, that has any depth to her. And they hint at, at depth, but they never really delve into her. She's always just kind of there to propel the plot at certain points. She, she doesn't really function as a character, per se. So, I, I mean... Like I said, I don't think it's her fault, because we've seen her act wonderfully before, and give fantastic performances. Even in a movie that's just a basic action film like King Kong, she was terrific. But um, I, I think it's just a poorly written character that's really superfluous to the, the rest of the plot. Um... So, basically, that's my feeling. I guess another issue, too, a minor one, is the music is a bit overdramatic. You know, it, it 
gets a little Russian soap opera like <laughs> at times. Um, it because I think anytime you're paying attention to the music, it's it's too obtrusive or too intrusive rather. Um, I think the music should always function on a subconscious level. I don't think you should ever start paying attention to it. And uh, so, you know, that's basically my thoughts on Eastern Promises. I, I think what is there was brilliant, but I think they needed more. I mean, I know you're always the one who wants movies to be shorter, but this well, one... To be honest with you... I think a lot of your review sounds exactly how I felt about a history of violence. It's really? Just, it takes twists and turns a lot of times. You know, for instance, when he's going to, to meet the, the storyline where he meets uh, the guy from Lost in Space. I forget his character's name. William Hurt. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, that part is so sudden, it, it completely threw me in the whole film. Yeah, I I mean, I, I see what you mean with History of Violence, but I, I disagreed because I thought that History of Violence, while narrative-wise, it wasn't a, um, it didn't have a continuous plot. You know, it wasn't the most well-connected connect narrative. I thought thematically that it was very well-connected and everything did have a bearing on it. In Eastern Promises, I'm not sure it even has a thematic core to it. I mean, there there's a lot going on with at, with um, violence towards women, and I think that that's a big part of it. And and concepts of masculinity and machismo, for lack of a better but word, it never takes center stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a little of this theme, a little of that. I, I thought history of violence was very clear. It was about the dual nature of man. The one hand, you have civilization and all of these um, civilizing aspects of life where, you, you know, you can be the gentleman working in the, in the diner, and then you can also be this brutal, savage beast. And I, I think that's what History of Violence was about. And I thought all of the three kind of story segments of the film followed that, that thematic choice. Well, and to be honest, I don't think I would give a History of Violence a, a terrible, terrible score, because I thought mm. also the acting was terrific in that movie yes and i thought that a lot of the direction of scenes and a lot of the cinematography was well done i'd probably give that a two and a half or three yeah so i would totally trash the film it just far less than it deserves like as much as you <laughs> yes i mean i i don't know if i'd give it i mean if I, we were rating history of violence i i probably would give it a four and a half i i wouldn't go a full five with it because I do see the flaws it has, but at the same time, I, I do you think it's a them in a history of violence, but not in Eastern Promises. Yes. And, well, like I said, and the issue is the... I mean, because first of all, I wouldn't... Because there were performance issues like Naomi Watts' character, and I didn't feel there were any characters that didn't belong in a history of violence. And I also didn't think the music was intrusive in history of violence. And and I didn't feel that part of the movie was missing in, in history of violence because I felt the arc completed itself thematically. 
Uh, whereas in Eastern Promises, I didn't feel any of those things. But I'm not going to give it a bad score, because what's there is very good, and I think it is worth checking out. I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. So, I, I do recommend seeing it, but it's kind of a mild recommendation. Considering that we run an internet-based movie review show, it may come off as a bit ironic that we are reviewing a film that explores the dehumanization caused by the uber-connectivity of the wired world. But ironic or not, that's exactly what we're doing. LOL is a very small, independent film directed by Joe Swanberg that follows a group of young adults around as they fail to connect with everyone around them while succumbing to the various addictions of wired culture including everything from cell phones, instant messaging, to email. Now, it's obvious the film was a very low has a very low budget, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Look at the first Clerks movie, for example. So I'm going to ask my BFF Doug what the 411 is on LOL. Did it make you ROFL, or did you say WTF and want to run AFK? Well, after that onslaught of acronyms, <laughs> I can say that it's uh, not all bad, but it's not very good either. Uh, the movie does provide a few laughs, and uh, there is the, the message the movie's trying to, I guess, show us is relevant today. You, know, you have technology destroying our ability to communicate and our ability to kind of behave socially or to behave around others, whether they be friends or girlfriends or acquaintances, relationships, whatever. But I think at the end, it just boils down to kind of a maybe an above-average college snuff film. Well, I think you are in an exceptionally generous mood today, because this is <laughs> god-fucking-awful. <laughs> well, all right, let me... Let me <laughs> Continue to explain my, <laughs> my my point here. Okay. I'll go over what what I like about the film. Okay, because I'm I'm not going to recommend okay. this. Okay. But I am trying to go easy on it. The fact that it's a very low budget indie film. Yeah. I, I the things I did like. There were some moments of comedy. I thought the opening scene was kind of funny. And I thought there were some some other interesting scenes that at least provided a few chuckles. I wouldn't say there's laugh-out-loud moments, but definitely a couple type of moments. Um, I don't I think, think I even thought about laughing once. Oh, okay, well, I thought some of the acting, or maybe I should credit the writing on this, was decent. I thought a lot of the characters kind of behaved as... These characters should. You know, you, you can tell a lot of the, the three main guys especially are, are you know, kind of sociopaths in a way. And yeah. I think the way they flirted with their girlfriends or with even, you know, their guy friends yeah, but was a little, was very realistic. I thought it was well done. I understand your point, and I, I guess you're right in that regard, but at the same time, they are, and, and maybe this is the point, but they are so fucking irritating. I think every single one of them is just irritating to spend any sort of time with at all. And I understand that these I, I people are supposed to they, be irritating, but... Yeah. 
that doesn't make it any more enjoyable. All right. Well, I, I certainly <laughs> won't argue with you. I won't say I enjoyed these characters, but I'm trying to give at least a little bit of credit. I'm not totally trashing this movie. Now, as far as the message and you know how technology is rapidly destroying our ability to behave in a social world, I have to say it's not done very well in this movie. In fact, had I not probably read any blurbs or other reviews or, or researched the film, I never probably would have got that. Yeah. Because the movie kind of jumps around and, and it, it ends before there's any sort of climax or resolution. Yeah. You know, the, the movie, I guess, is aimless in a way. You know, and, um, and I'm, I'm uh, well, I'll let you finish first. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'm, I finished that thought. Okay. Well, you know, I, I, I'm trashing it because it's a completely failed execution. But I, I do feel there are some things that, at the core, there's something maybe. Uh, you know, I, I liked right. the, I, I enjoyed like the, the random cutting that the film used. I mean, I thought that kind see, that's, of, that was a problem for me. See, I liked it because I thought it was kind of it driving was home the point of the disconnection and it kind of, uh, uh it kind of symbolized that visually. I think it's gimmicky. Well, I, I'm not debating that it's gimmicky, but <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to find diamonds in a pile of shit here, so. <laughs> I was trying to find two with my, because I'm finished with my positive points. Yeah, well, Everything I'll, else I'm going to say now will be bad. I'll have one more positive thing, and I thought, okay. I thought some of the sound, ish, uh, sound, um, editing was good. I, I liked you know, whenever they use cell phones, sometimes they make the background silent, and you know, it, it kind of showed how they were just kind of focused in on this wired world. I mean, they had all these humans around them, and they were just completely toning them out so that they could talk on their cell phone or or on the computer or something like that. Which is pretty relevant today, I suppose. Cell yeah, seem to monopolize people's times, but while I will give you that point as valid i for the most part hated the sound in the movie i thought oh yeah so did i i, I thought it was totally absurd that the movie spent so much time with this guy trying to make these sounds out of people's faces oh, the noises people make with their faces I, I just okay yeah i could see it as a quirky hobby but what's with constantly these almost music video montages where yeah we see these little clips of people making noises with their faces set to a song. You know, I did that in like an introductory sound class in college, and I have to tell you, the shit I came up with was better. Well, you know, it, and here's the thing, because whenever I say positive things, I want it to be understood that I, while I understand why they did what they were doing, I don't think they succeeded. And And so whenever I say this, keep that in mind. Because I did think the mouth noises were fucking awful, and I wanted to kill myself <laughs> every time it happened. But, and there were far too many. I think one would have, 
succeeded in doing what they wanted to do just as well. I agree. And, and I have to admit, I think the first one mm -hmm. is one of the few moments in the film that actually made me kind of chuckle a little bit. Yeah, see, not me, because I thought it was awful. I just wanted, I was embarrassed that my neighbors might hear the garbage I was listening to. So, you know, I, but anyways, I, I, whenever I first saw him, like, what the fuck is the point of these mouth noises? But then I, I think I understand what they're doing is that I think the point they're making is that we, is that they're making noises with their mouth without communicating anything, because, like, the noises they make don't mean anything. And he's trying to make the noises mean something using technology. And it's, I think that's very forced. I don't think he was thinking that at all. That seems much too intelligent for this film. <laughs> no, I, I think that is what he was thinking. Now, he failed, because, I mean, the fact that it took me forever to realize that is is proof that he failed because if you do something like that it should be self-evident but I, think... I didn't realize that at all and, and that would insinuate that this guy's smarter than i am and after <laughs> i can vouch for that he might be a smart guy i mean he he just maybe made a horrible film he made any other films yeah they're all small though and i've never heard of any of them but he has made some other independent but, uh, I, and like I said, don't take what I said as a defense, because I think it didn't work at all. But I, I do believe that is what was going through his head. I think that is what he was thinking whenever he, he made that. Because I, I, if not, I have no fucking clue what well, he was thinking. You know, the only reason, too, I kind of disagree is in some of my art classes in college, I was actually... One of the students was just like this guy. He was in this multimedia class, you know, where we were discussing basically project-based work, you know, CD, multimedia, authoring, stuff like that. But this guy was so into sound, and that's all he wanted to do. Anytime we had projects, he wanted to do sound, and he just loved ridiculously everything that he came up with. Yeah, I think he wanted to use any excuse, including he made this absurd website just to showcase his stuff. That's what I think was going on here. I think this guy got some harebrained idea that I'll just get a bunch of noises from people and put them together in song. And I use this movie as a venue to showcase it off. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, I think he did have a point. I'm going to give him that because I'm not giving him anything else. But... <laughs> But I, uh, I, I, like I said, I'm not defending it because I think it was fucking horrible and I think I'm going to give it a lower score than you are, in fact. But, probably. But he, I do think he had an idea. Uh, the, speaking of the noises, the music is god awful. It's terrible. Oh my god. I. Uh, it's, I don't know which was worse, the mouth noises or the music, but it was horrid. And you know the same. This guy did the music for the movie too. That's uh, why. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking that he just wanted a venue for his music. That's all. Well, <laughs> I don't know anyone who I watches think, this had movie. You had a, a student of film here. I think you would have come up with at least something a little better than this. I don't know. 
but I mean, there 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 are some positive beginnings of a good film, but and, I don't know. I, yeah, I I think he had an idea that was interesting, but uh, another issue I have is with the dialogue. I, I I'm not sure of this myself if the dialogue was scripted or improv. But it is. It comes off as so wooden, and it just doesn't seem authentic at all. It, it's... See, I th- this was one point I disagreed on. I thought some. I thought the dialogue was good for the most part because it, it didn't seem like it was written. It seemed like it was a little. It seemed natural. It seemed how students in a, in situations like that would flirt or would react. I wouldn't say it's Academy Award winning by any means, but for a movie of this caliber, as and by that I mean sort of an amateurish indie film, I think it worked well. Well, I don't know. I I disagree with you on that, but but then again, I'm not the English major. <laughs> well, any at any rate, what were there any other points that you wanted to bring up about LOL? Um, yeah, it's a pretty bad movie. There's nothing else really that needs to say be said. Yeah, I, what are you going to give this abomination under the Lord? I'm going to give it a generous, very generous two stars. Holy Christ. I'm giving it a point five because I truly believe I this movie is broken. Me. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to the... Terabithia place with this because it's it's truly horrible. I'll say one more positive about it. What? It's only an hour and twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think that's an hour and nineteen minutes too long. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are now going to discuss our top five scenes made us the most uncomfortable to watch on screen. Alan, you will lead us off. All right. Well, you know, I this is obviously in honor of uh, David Cronenberg, and that's how I'm starting off the list. I'm going to go with A History of Violence, the 69 scene. And, you know, I, I, I'm not necessarily what you would call a conservative person in any regard, and but to see, I mean, because to see a scene that you typically would see in a see in a pornography in a theater filled with a bunch of people, it's it was very odd, you know. It 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 made me a little uncomfortable, and that's why it's on here. And uh, I understand a short why. Scene either. No, no, and I understand why the scenes in the film. I mean, as I was saying earlier, Cronenberg's. You know, he has some shocking stuff in his films, but it's not gratuitous. And I wouldn't say this is gratuitous. I think the scene does need to be there. But it did make me feel uncomfortable watching it in a crowded theater. That's a a very good choice. I'd have to admit I was uncomfortable during that, too. (laughs) My, My number five scene is actually kind of a humorous scene, but... Of course, the thought of it is very unsettling. It's from the movie Clerks 2, and it's the bestiality. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I think, of course, the result of it, 
you know, with, uh, is it Eli? Is that the, the Christian kid? Yeah, I believe so. I think that that's probably the funniest part at the end of it, where he's stripped into his underwear, pretty much masturbating, and on his underwear it has WWJD. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's apologizing to Jesus for watching this and masturbating. It's, it's unsettling. <laughs> they don't really show much of anything, but of course the thought's certainly there. Yeah. I definitely agree with you there. Um, my number four choice is Deliverance, the squeal like a pig boy scene where John Voight gets anally... Or no, it's not John Voight. It's, um... I can't remember. Maybe it is. I can't remember who it is who gets... It's, it's the fat guy. That, that's not John Voight. But he gets anally raped by a, a couple of hillbillies. And it's very disturbing. And uh, I don't think I need to elaborate on why. I think it's pretty much self-evident. <laughs> My number four choice is sort of a, a, a violent choice. As foreign violence is always unsettling for me. I, I get, I guess, squeamish at that sort of thing. It's from the movie Last King of Scotland. It's towards the end of the movie uh, where Dr. Nicholas Garrigan is there hanging by his skin on those hooks. Yeah something else where the movie never really cuts away from it. You're, it's there on screen for a while, and I, it's almost like I can feel it. You just see the, the skin being pulled. Oh, I shudder even recalling it here to discuss it. Yeah, that, that actually is pretty good choice. <laughs> My number three choice is you know, speaking of abominations, is about Schmidt, the hot tub scene with Kathy Bates and Jack Nicholson. <laughs> oh, I, I did not need to see. I did not need to see either one of them naked, and to see them both naked in the same scene was very, very unsettling. I, I shudder to even think of it now. That's why it's my number three. You know, this might be the shortest top five we've ever done because neither of us wants to talk about the, no, the not scene. Really. Although I have to admit, my number three choice is a movie I very, very rapidly love, and it's a movie I've put on about every list. It's from Sin City. And the scene that's uncomfortable is the scene where Bruce Willis's character is basically beating the shit out of Yellow Bastard, and even then rips out his balls. Yeah. And, and even though it's filmed in black and white with, you know, the, the yellow blood and skin of Yellow Bastard, they don't cut away. You see exactly what happens, and it's just something that you almost feel it as it happens to the Yellow Bastard. Yeah, it's pretty... Yeah, that's a pretty intense scene, too. I mean, I didn't... I wouldn't... It definitely is one of those... Oh. Yeah, I don't know if I'd maybe, say I was full fledged uncomfortable. The the scene itself isn't so much as uncomfortable as that specific moment. All right, my number two choice, I'm fairly sure, is going to be on your list. It's Borat, the naked fight between him and Azamat. It's very disturbing seeing them hump each other. Completely naked <laughs> and running around the hotel, and and neither one is a necessarily an attractive person, so it's it's very disturbing seeing these two hairy men. One of them extremely fat, 
fighting naked and ass fucking each other. <laughs> Very right, disturbing. Well, for the sake of the show, I'm going to flip my number two and my number one. My number one, which will now be two, was Borat, the naked fight scene. <laughs> so I, of course, do not need to re-describe that wonderful bit of cinema. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely going in the canon. Okay, my number one choice is one that you haven't seen, and probably a lot of our viewers, listeners haven't seen. It's the entire movie, Short Buzz. It's, um... It is basically every type of sex you can imagine for the entire length of the film, essentially. And the movie got good reviews, and I, I didn't think it was necessarily a horrible movie, but I, I'm not sure what people saw in it. So Probably I, the fact that you know sex on screen is so edgy that this being yeah. a film with it throughout, it must be in its just high yeah. art. Awesome. And, and I do think, I mean, our attitudes towards sex on screen, particularly non-conventional sex, like homosexual relations and things like that, are prudish. I mean, it is it is silly that we don't have those in, in films more and, and we look at it that way. But, this, I mean, to have that the entire length of the film, I, I don't know. I, I think it was a little too much was I, it needless or was it warranted or because you're right i never saw the film i i mean i would say that it was and i i mean i would ask our listeners to see you know what they felt about the film but i i i thought the the movie that was just the point of it is just you know showing sex acts and i mean there is a point at what point does it cease being film and become pornography and I mean, I wouldn't call it pornography because it's not—it's not done in a way to excite, you know. It's not trying to arouse you, so I wouldn't go as far to call it porn. But I—I I don't know. It, but it is uncomfortable to watch, and it's like I said, I'm not a prudish person, but it was a little much. Well, I think that's still a good choice. Backed it up pretty well. My number two, now number one choice, is also a whole movie, and it is The Passion of the Christ. Mm. The brutality and violence and the gore seen throughout this whole film, I think, just crosses the line. Yeah. In fact, at the point where the raven rips out the eyeballs and you see his eye cords and stuff, is just way too much. Cut there, please. Cut, cut, cut. Yeah. You don't need to see that. It proves nothing to the movie. It helps the theme. None. It's just there because Mel Gibson's a raving lunatic. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, I mean, Passion of the Christ. We talked about LOL, a movie I had difficulty finishing. Passion of the Christ I almost walked out on because it was, it did cross the line into brutality. For brutality's sake, I fell. So... I definitely think that's a good choice. Okay, well that's just about all the time we have today, but we're going to, as we always do, look at upcoming DVD and theatrical releases. This Tuesday, releasing on DVD, is the hilarious Knocked Up. We both gave very high rating to. I gave it a four and a half. I don't recall what you gave it. 
I think I think it was probably that. Yeah, I think it was a four and a half as well. Um, the Paul Verhoeven film coming out, Black Book. It's a uh, World War Two drama, and it's gotten very good reviews. We have uh, Evening, which looked like a horrible uh, women's film that it didn't look like it lived up to the novel at all. Uh, Bug, the Ashley Judd thriller, which we have on good authority, isn't very good. Or at least some authority. And then we have the TV set, which is probably what we'll be reviewing next week. And that's uh, with David Duchovny and Sigourney Weaver. It was a, a smaller release, but it looked like a pretty funny film. And uh, I think that's pretty much it for uh, notable DVD releases. It's kind of a slow week, but definitely check out um, uh, check out Knocked, Knocked Up. Up. Oh, and another thing, last week's show, we somehow forgot to talk about the release of Death Proof on DVD, which I loved, and Doug was I was going to say, I don't think it mattered that we forgot to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so um, if, if you actually have taste, unlike Doug, you'll want to check out Death Proof. Planet Terror will or be releasing in October. To an hour 20 of boring dialogue. Actually, it's extended, so it's two hours of boring dialogue. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so I encourage you to check that out. Uh, unfortunately, the studio has made the horrible mistake of not releasing Grindhouse's a whole DVD release of its own, which is just ridiculous. So you can't watch any of the previews or anything. Which is a horribly cheap way of wringing money out of you, but... I tend to agree with you that they'll probably double-dip that. I'm sure they will, but, you know, as of now... It, it worked out for me, because I wasn't wild about Planet Terror, so I can just get the one I like. But I would like to have the trailers, which were hilarious. Yeah, they were hilarious. <laughs> uh, but, and did you know that they're making Machete into a movie? Are they? Yeah, so that will be pretty <laughs> awesome to see. Uh, then, theatrically this weekend, we have some good movies that are coming out on limited release. Not a whole lot else other than that. Uh, the film Lust Caution, directed by Ang Lee, who, who directed Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Brokeback Mountain, is being released, and it looks fantastic. It's rated NC-17, so unfortunately in the States not many theaters are going to be carrying it, so that's likely one that we'll have to wait for the DVD release of. But uh, our listeners in Europe, who don't live in quite a puritanical society as we do, might be able to <laughs> check that out. We then also have, <clears throat> in limited release, actually only New York this weekend, and then next weekend it will expand slightly, is The Darjeeling Limited, directed by Wes Anderson. Uh, and I'm usually not a Wes Anderson fan, but I think The Darjeeling Limited, it stars Adrian Brody, Owen Wilson, and Jason Schwartzman. And I think it looks kind of funny. I, I think that it might be a pretty good movie. So, hopefully that comes to our neck of the woods at some point. And then finally, the film we'll most likely be reviewing is The Kingdom, about um, FBI agents who go to investigate 
terrorist attacks in Saudi Arabia. So it stars um uh Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx, thank you. Jamie Foxx and I think Jennifer Garner's in it, if I'm not mistaken. And it looks yes. pretty good. So well, that's probably what we'll be reviewing next week. And other than that, not a whole lot's coming out. Okay, that's all for today's show. If you would like to review any of the ratings that we gave the movies that we covered today, please visit thosemovieguys.blogspot.com. There you can find more in-depth reviews, our star ratings, as well as links to items that we may have covered in the show. Plus, you can subscribe to our feed. Also, you can visit Google Groups at groups.google.com. When you're there, search for Those Movie Guys. You can post a message to our forums. And you can also email us at thosemovieguys at gmail.com. thosemovieguys at gmail.com. We look forward to any feedback that you can give us about why we're retarded. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.